Hey everybody, Donnie Bovine here. Thank you so much for listening to the episodes. Do me a favor, if you get any value out of these, would you leave me a review? It would mean the world to me. I'm on a massive mission to help as many people as I possibly can get to freedom through building a business. I gotta be honest, building a business is by far the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, and I promise you, my business has worked on me more than I've ever worked on it. I don't think there's a better tool in the world to meet the dude in the mirror than building your own company. You're going to find out what the hell you're made of. In these episodes, I bring on the people that have been through it, gone through it, done it, built monstrous companies, and I get them to coach me on how to actually level up, grow, and scale my business. They're hitting me with some hard questions. They're bringing some amazing advice. And, and I'm telling you, I take notes from every one of these episodes from these people that have actually lived it. They've gone through it and have turned their businesses into amazing empires. So I hope you find a ton of value in this. And I hope that this becomes something you come back to and listen to often. Let's do this. Guys, welcome to the live show for the Growth Mode Podcast. So we did this for the first time last year at the Badass Business Summit, and it was a fucking blast. Um, because you get Kevin and I, full smartassery, answering questions, joking back and forth. Um, and we have a lot of fun putting this on. So... Just know that we're live, and this will be a no-hold-barred, so you're going to see my smart assery on full display. It's one of the feedbacks I get all the time is, damn, you're mean to Kevin. He is. <laughs> he's mean. He's horrible. <laughs> so we asked our audience to submit some questions that we're going to go through and answer and see if we can't help them out a, a little bit with their businesses and see if we can't get you guys some advice as you're listening to this and it's coming out. But, um, Kevin, you want to add anything before we freaking? No, I'm good. All right, let's fuck it. Let's get after it. <laughs> All right, uh, so we have a bunch of questions. First one is from uh, Amex, Lauren Ammon, uh, from Performance Reimagined. Where is she? There's no screaming from her. Uh, all right, so what her, her question is, what has been your biggest mindset challenge in building the business? Uh, for me, it's 100% not asking for help. So that's tough, right? You, you, you know you need to lean in and ask for help on different things, but man, sometimes that ego gets in your fucking way. And you know, there's different you know, things inside the company that you know you need to get fucking better at, but you know, sometimes you're like, fuck, I'm doing all these things. Look at me go. Look how awesome I am. And the next time I turn a corner, I'm like, oh, fuck, they just got fucking blindsided. Right? So, so, and you, same issues that a lot of people fucking deal with is I don't want people to know I'm fucking up in that lane. Right? Because if you get vulnerable on that freaking thing, right, they're going to see you naked. And I have to also remind my damn self that, that 
I can't tell others to do what I won't fucking do myself. So, but that's my biggest one. Yeah, I think for me, uh, a big one is the whole uh, imposter mindset and uh, wondering, should I really be on this stage? Should no. I be the person? Yes, I should. <laughs> See, you're the cause. No, but it's, it's, should I be the person doing this? Am I really the one that should be teaching people how to grow their business? You know, do I have the experience? Do I have a story that people even want to hear? And that was a big one for me, especially when I started doing uh, podcast appearances is, you know, well, I just have a normal story. It's boring. No one's going to care. But then the more I told it, I had people really diving in and saying, oh, my God, all right, I need to tell you, you, you did that. OK, tell me more. And really latching on to some key parts of my story that I just thought were just, you know, every day, every business owner does that. And it wasn't. It was something special and it helped them process things. And I was like, cool, all right, maybe I should be the one up here. And that's made it a lot easier to do this type of stuff and keep pushing forward and knowing that you're having that impact. Yeah, I know uh, he came back from one podcast and he's like, holy shit, they were asking me questions that I actually had answers to and I knew how to answer. He goes, I couldn't believe that I could literally get through those things. And he was like, the host was leaning in the entire time. She was like really into it. That was cool to see him come back that way. All right. Uh, this one is from Laura DeFranco from Brave Healer Productions. And present. Right. Last year I just said Brave Healer. I didn't say her whole damn company. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she's actually president of our Bethesda Badass Chapter. I'm sorry, group. It's a, it's a group now. Uh, all right. Her question. How can we move through the fear of taking a financial risk to grow? Uh, when you know we can't afford it, and can't afford it is in quotes. Oh man, uh, it's 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 extremely hard. And I tell you, for for me personally, I just take a leap of faith and bet that I can pull it off. And that's the best answer I can give you. I have written some big ass checks that I wasn't sure my ass could cash. And it scares the fuck out of me every damn time. And I, I'm always been able to sell my way out of almost anything. So if I needed to make it happen, I needed to make it, you know, pop up. Um, I just fucking <laughs> take a big ass gamble and go, knowing that I've always figured it out which is a scary damned way to play it and a scary thing to say. But uh, um, I don't have any good things to say about, you know, maybe you should put some money back for all that. Go talk to all the financial gurus that can help you with that kind of stuff. All I can tell you is I scare the pure living shit out of myself. I think it really depends on what that financial risk is. That's valid. That's too. valid. Is it a financial risk where you are hiring someone so that you free up your time? Or is it a financial risk of, well, we're going to throw a summit in six months? <laughs> yeah, right. uh, and we don't know what it's actually going to do for us. It's a I'll Hail Mary pass. Get speakers oh, and yeah. So, you know, if you're, you're, if your financial risk is, a, you know, my, I'm going to hire someone so that they can start doing stuff for you. Well, then the idea should be, well, that's going to free up X number of hours for me that I can go sell stuff now because I now have that increased bandwidth, that increased capacity to actually do the thing. Uh, so I should be able to go out and now fill that time. 
So instead of just having 40 hours a week that you can bill out for whatever your product or service is, now theoretically you can have 80. You should be able to double your, your client base. But that requires you to then not find other stupid things to fill that time with, which most business owners are really fucking good at, right? Or they will like, oh, I have free time, so now I'm going to do this stuff instead of doing what they're supposed to and doing the, the business development work, the reach outs, getting on podcasts, doing stages. You know, that's the whole reason we started the Champions 90 Challenge is so that you're now forced to do those things that are actually going to generate revenue and get you moving forward to so that you can hire those people and fill their time. And yes, I'm doing the Champions 90 Challenge too. <laughs> Which is awesome because this fucker hates social media, right? With a damn passion. The other thing that I'll tell you is there's times when I will play with the numbers. And what I mean is I'll look at the overall financial cost of whatever it is, depending on what it is. And then I look at it from the perspective of, okay, how many new people in Champions Table? How many new people uh, you know, inside of SCN? How many people do we need at the summit? And I look at it and go, okay, if I take this gamble based on past history, can we hit those numbers to cover this cost? And that's, I usually process it very, very quick. And man, I tell you, uh, we've done it every time, <laughs> you know, but it's literally going and saying, fuck it, I'm going to bet on me and, and go. Now, I don't want anybody to fucking do it and then not work and come back <laughs> and say, you're an asshole because you said bet on you. And I was, this is on you. You make the choice, you own the fucking choice. That's right. You all heard that, that Donnie does analysis. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And it's not me making him do it. So, but it was, we have those conversations all the time during our weekly operations meetings. All right. So, we want to do this thing. What is that going to allow us to do instead? And are we going to be able to generate enough additional revenue to support having that as an expense? And for us, being able to make those financial decisions, the big shift for us was we had to understand our financials. And that was, Donnie talked about that earlier, about you have to know what your, how your money's being used and how you're using your money. So we had to figure out, all right, so what are we actually all paying for? Because it's really easy to have, oh, we, we have a subscription to this thing and we have a subscription to this monthly and a lot, service. A lot of times it was, holy fuck, we still have a subscription to that. Yeah. And we started looking at it. It was like, oh, we haven't used that for a year. Damn it. Uh, so it was going through and cleaning that up. And there, then we could say, all right, here's what we are spending. All right. And we had now we're more confident in being able to add on more expenses because we actually knew what was coming out and what's coming in. Yeah. And I would also say, you know, like year one of the summit, we didn't have a budget or a plan. Yeah. Right. We were 100 percent winging it. And the main reason was we didn't have the money to pay for it. So how the fuck do you put a budget together when there's zero dollars? Right. So so we were taking a gamble that we would sell enough fucking tickets to cover the cost of everything. You know, that's how I did. Now, as we moved into year three, we had budgets and, you know, those things. But when you're, especially if you're at the beginning stages of it and there's like no money to throw at it, right? That's when you need to look at whatever you sell and hopefully figure out how many of the things I need to sell will cover it. Can I pull that off? And that's how we've really done a lot of things. And I think for that first summit, it wasn't so much that we didn't have a budget. It was more that we didn't actually know what things were going to cost. Yeah. So it was really, it wasn't that we didn't want yeah, one. We said. didn't 
know how to put it together because we didn't know what we should be paying for food or we didn't know what we should be paying for hotels you know we didn't know you know for audio and visual what that was going to cost and lord you know how much it costs for curtains to hide put behind the stage my god so it's all those little things that every time we ask about something oh yeah that'll be fifteen hundred dollars jesus christ uh so we the the first one was a huge learning thing for us for the financial yeah literally the the venue refused to continue talks with me they had to talk to the rest of the team because i just don't they they were they were constantly saying nope you can't do that nope you can't do that and and you know it's like there's nothing else going on in this whole venue <laughs> why not and and they didn't like me asking questions so the rest of the team ended up dealing with them <laughs> he may have made their salesperson cry <laughs> um, he did. yeah that happened <laughs> So, all right, next uh, question. Where do I begin with creating an operations plan? And this is from the Monica Tuck at U Studio. Oh, go. Oh, all right, awesome. Um, you looking at me like I'm going to do operations. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we do a thing for, and this we started this about a year ago, uh, we do a thing for success champions called Lines of Effort. And it's a thing that I learned in the Oh, we Army. do this for Champions Table. Or, well, yeah, no, but we do it for Success Champions. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we for line our, yes, yes. <laughs> we, so, so to explain that, this. so explain that, Success Champions is the actual company. Underneath that, you have Success Champion Networking, Champions Table, Badass Business Summit. Okay, just so you guys understand the structure behind it. So, yeah, line of effort is something we teach at Champions Table to our mastermind members, but we, it's something we actually use. All the stuff we teach is either stuff we fucked up or things that we use at work. So you get both sides. So LOE, a line of effort, is, is something that I learned in the military. And it is basically a tool that allows a brigade commander or higher commander to uh, make sure that he's utilizing his unit's time effectively to complete the mission that he's been given. So these usually really come into uh, effect after all the kinetic fighting's done. And we're now landowners and we're now rebuilding. And we're government making for whoever, you know, like in Afghanistan or Iraq after all the battle was done. Now we're working with the new civilian government to rebuild all their stuff. So we'll create these lines of effort. And then when people will come into the commander and say, hey, commander, can I get some money? So we want to do this school or we want to do this thing. Uh, and we want we need you to you know, we need you to do this with this uh, this mosque. It all goes back to that line of effort. Does this support? this end state if it doesn't support one of our lines of effort we don't do it because it's now a waste of resources that we could be putting towards helping people be comfortable voting or uh, getting the services back online so everyone has running water so we do that in in uh success champions to figure out all right so where's our focus going to be for the year and we'll set it up you know in the next couple months we'll start working on next year's but we'll have usually three so this last year, ours were was growth, specifically revenue members, uh, our brand, and making sure we had a brand out there and people were recognizing us. Uh, and then the third one was culture. So everything that we started looking at and putting into play for the year had to fit one of those three things. We identified specific end states that we had to hit to say, yes, we successfully achieved our culture goal for the me- year. And let me tell you, once we had the LOE uh, laid out, and he actually had to teach me this, right? And once we had it laid out and we were walking through it, 
it was so fucking cool to see the company laid out and we were able to say, okay, this book is going to launch here. This is, we're going to be here. And you could see all the moving parts and it did two things. One, it got me to quit asking dumb questions. Like, no, no, that's, that's <laughs> um, but I, you know, I'm constantly on Kevin. When are we going to do this? When are we going to do this? When are we going to do this? And now I had a laid out fucking game plan of all the different things and when they were coming up and when they were coordinating. Um, two, it got me to quit stressing on when I needed to start working on a thing because we would put different things inside different quarters and you could just see it. Okay, we'll work on that then. So a prime example of one of the things I was on the LOE is up until Monday, we have it set that if you go listen to the Growth Mode podcast, Every episode in there will start with a commercial for this badass business summit, right? On Monday, it'll be changed to promote Champions 90, right? But that is in the LOE, so we know that's when we need to do and actually carry it on. So the, the other big thing it did for him was it stopped us, and not, I'd say <laughs> him, but it's not, it was me too because I did it as well. It stopped us from playing the squirrel game. Big time. Where we would call each other. It's like, oh, I had an idea, which was code in our world for, well, we're going to have to do work. Or is more specifically, oh, Kevin's going to have to do work. Uh, that's that's been more appropriate. So, <laughs> but we would do that. And leading up to us starting having that in place, there was, you know, we did regularly have conversations as I was driving home from the city and we we're doing something. It's like, all right, so I was thinking about this. We should do this thing and do that. And we'd brainstorm and we have this big plan that we'd throw into action in like a week. As now, it's like, all right, where does that fit in the LOE? Where do we have bandwidth to do that? So now we're starting to be able to lay things out across the year and say, oh, we're going to work on this. You know, this quarter was really a focus on the summit leading up to, uh, you know, to today. So everything was like, all right, how does this support the summit? You know, it was it a, the potential of a book launch, our podcast appearances, and it was, we could keep everything focused. And it's allowed it, us to really maximize our time and not get distracted by stuff that sounds really cool and looks like it's gonna be really fun for us to do but isn't actually solving or getting us moving forward this is why i'll, I'll tell you um a lot of people when they start getting to the point of hiring want to hire the person that's just like them that's, that's who they think they need to hire that's the wrong fucking move don't hire your doppelganger ganger fucking hire your arch nemesis Hire the person that is exactly opposite of you, right? I hate process, operational things, systems, all that stuff. That's his world. And once again, I'll keep saying it. It allows me to free up my time to go do what I'm good at, which is be the pretty face out front. <laughs> Not really good at that. <laughs> um, all right, next question. Uh, this is, oh, I just asked one from her, so we're going to wait for a bit. Um, Oh, since we're talking about hiring, let's do this one. This is from Christine Dean from uh, the DFW Networking Diva. What is the best time to hire help in your business? Before you need it. Before, excuse me, better. Before you can afford it. And that's the real answer. You hire before you can afford it. Um, because I'm telling you, it is absolutely going to, if you know specifically what you're hiring for, right? You need to be hiring. Your first hire, just so you know, if you've ever wanted your first hire, needs to be a fucking administrative assistant. Operations, 
Because you're not going to get rid of sales, guys. That's, that shit's going to stay. But your first hire is to get the operational shit off your plate so you can go do more business development. Okay? And you've got to look at it from the perspective, I can't afford, I can't afford, I can't afford. But if I can get these things off my plate, I can go sell. And then you have to actually go fucking sell. That kind of ties into this question from Cheryl Hayes uh, of EmpowerStrategist.com. How do you balance debt against doing it all on your own? Example, hiring someone and going in debt to do it. Uh, you're going to go into debt to do it. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. Uh, you're going to take a gamble. You know, and, and this is the thing, guys. Sales fixes most of your problems. If you've got enough revenue coming in, you can hire the experts that can make shit right. If you won't sell, you're going to suck for a long time. This is one of the reasons we put the Champions 90 together was so we could literally help people get out there and go get in sales conversations. The best way to figure out how to sell, by the way, 100 conversations. 100 conversations with people who can say yes to you. And if you, by the time you get through 100 conversations with people who can say yes to you, you're likely to have figured out how to actually do your sales calls because they're going to ask you some questions. The first time you ask them, you're not going to have the fucking answer to them and you're going to stumble all over it. Second time you answer it, I bet you have an answer for it. And that's how you figure out how to sell as you go get punched in the face by getting in conversations with people who can say yes to you. Hiring someone, you know, they're, they're, it's easy for me to say, it's all right if I don't sell as much this month, I can eat ramen. I lived in the middle of a desert for nine months. All right. So, but it's com a completely different thing when you have an employee to say, well, it's okay, they can eat ramen. That's never going to go through any of our heads as business owners. And when you hire that person, now you have that responsibility to support their family. So it's going to be much harder for you when you bring them on to slack off on the stuff because you know it's not just what I eat tonight. It's what someone and their kids are going to eat. And you're, you're not going to let yourself down. If you, if you are going to let yourself down and, and, and not be able to support them, you maybe shouldn't be in business. If you aren't able to take that responsibility and say, I'm going to have employees, I got to make sure they can feed their family. I love that pressure, man. You know, uh, there's a real thing about putting some hard times. So it's kind of that manufacturing the hard stuff, right? If, if you like say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to hire a person. Then you better show the fuck up. Right? Cause it's not you that you're fucking anymore. If it doesn't work, you're going to destroy somebody else's moment of life. You're not going to destroy their entire life, but you're going to destroy a moment of it. So you got to get after it. All right. This is a fun question, but we're going to have to have some follow-up questions for it with this oh. person. So can we get a gene? Can you get a mic and find Samantha? Uh-oh. So her question is, what if you don't like CEO, president, etc., as a title? So my follow-up question is, why, why don't you like this? Um, I guess past experience in the corporate culture. Um, to me, they mean something that I don't want to be. 
Okay. You know what I mean? Like, so past experience, basically, with those people in the corporate culture. The only time you legally have to call yourself a CEO is when you're an actual corporation. Right. You don't have to call yourself fucking president. You don't have to call yourself shit. Go, somebody Google Elon Musk business title for me. I, I, I don't remember what it actually is. Somebody find what Elon Musk's business title is. Um, but there's a video out on YouTube of Elon talking about this, right? That he literally changed his corporation structure to change his title just to piss off the board. You know, it's a great thing. So when you, when you think, what is it? One more time. Technoki of Tesla. Technoki of Tesla, right? And he did that, and he actually went to the government. Te techno king, that's it. Techno thing <laughs> king of Tesla. And he actually went and filed the paperwork to do his SEC filing and all that stuff to show techno king of Tesla. Call yourself whatever the fuck you want to call yourself. But I, you do need to have some structure, especially if you go a lot bigger. Right. There has to be a hierarchy. So I don't give a shit if you call yourself the chief, you know, queen, cake queen or whatever, <laughs> right? And then everybody underneath you would call muffins. I could give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> so when we, when we started building all the different head success channels. Uh, cupcake? Yeah, head cupcake. cupcake. When we started building all the different success champions, um, subdivisions slash companies, I gave him the title on all the emails and stuff as founding badass. And I was like, nope. <laughs> and he didn't change it. I didn't change it. <laughs> because everyone, people liked it. It resonated. It fit the brand. You know, I'm chief, uh, for the longest time for Time Ontario, I was the chief sales enablement guy. Because I, I was like, it's just me. I'm not CEO of me. So I didn't want the title either. But there is a certain point as your business grows that titles mean things. As you're working with other CEOs and interacting with them, if you come across as you know, I'm, I'm Chief Cupcake, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be a, they're not gonna know what that is. Right. I will tell you, and and it, if you're going after bigger clientele, there is some point of it that does matter. So when I was selling sales training, in particularly. They quickly made me a vice president because now I could be vice president to call on presidents. The presidents weren't taking my calls, right? I instantly at that point got moved up to partner. So I can now say I'm the partner of the company and could get through the door. So if you're going after bigger companies, that will matter. But if you otherwise have fun with it, right? Chief Cupcake. <laughs> the chief cupcake got it i'm gonna call you muffin from now on though <laughs> not when your wife's around <laughs> all right uh this question is from karen Oser, a financial literary easy for you exactly. uh what is the biggest thing that has caught you off guard launching scn Ooh. The biggest thing that has caught us off guard. Um, you know, that, that's actually pretty easy now that I think about it. Um, when we first launched the networking groups, I heard a phrase over and over again, probably 500 fucking million times. 
Donnie, not everyone is built like you. We launched the groups. I'm a go-getter type guy, right? Freaking, that's the hill. Take the fucking hill, right? Don't tell me how to take the hill. Just point the direction and say, go, I'll figure it the fuck out. That's how I operate. So we launched five chapters fucking instantly. And when we did that, we didn't have a whole lot of direction. We said, you know, put a three-person at the time leadership team together and go, make it happen. One of the gals that said yes, sitting right back there against the back wall, Miss Lori DeFranco, right? She was the only one that I think survived that initial launch of presidents because she's a fucking go-getter, right? She could do it Donnie style. The rest of them needed the structure. I had no fucking clue how to give them the structure. Thank God I had Kevin around that goes, all right, here's the structure we needed. So it was a massive right hook when we started, and then we went a little bit too much structure and had to peel it back a little bit, you know, but, but it was massive and highly annoying for him to say, Donnie, not everybody's like you. I don't hear it as often now. I'm learning. I'm learning. Well, and he, he does it back to me, too. And he'll, yeah. he, he'll say that to me when we're doing stuff. And it's like, not everyone is like you. And it's true. Hey, Donnie Bobine here, CEO of Success Champions Networking. And I just want to jump in really quick and tell you about the network. Success Champion Networking isn't for the beginning networker. It's for the business people that understand that building a successful relationships is a two-way street requiring commitment from both parties involved. Stop wasting time networking with people that don't understand how to leverage their network to generate quality referrals for you. If you're ready to network with business people that are tired of doing all the heavy lifting and want to build real partnerships that generate high revenue referrals, visit one of our chapters today at successchampionnetworking.com and I look forward to seeing you there. And it's a reminder for each of us as we're working on things to be thinking about how the other people are actually going to consume the process or the, the communication or our idea how it has to come across so that it's effective. And that's, that's really the key for us. You know, and I think, you know, we build things to work for ourselves, right? Um, and during the VIP sessions, you know, we would talk to them very specifically about, you know, you've got to build the initial process and then you got to give that shit to somebody else and let them make the actual process because you're going to build it to work for you. They're going to build it to work within what you need accomplished, but something that can be duplicated by somebody else. And once they finish what that process looks like, they'll come back and say, here's where we're at. So a lot of the evolutions of how the chapters are run is people coming back to us and say, hey, what do you think about this? Which allows us to juke and move on the fly, and we're really good at getting feedback. I learned to get good at getting feedback, you know, but it allowed us to start thinking about, okay, how do we do this better? How do we, and, and luckily, we just stayed flexible and open to suggestions. We might walk away and say, fucking hell, but we'll listen. <laughs> All right, next one, and this is from Hildy, one of the sponsors of the really badass swag that was in your uh, summit bags when you checked in. Um, and also donated a shit ton of uh, free giveaway stuff yep. for the trivia night, which is really, yes. really cool. 
All right, great client for over 10 years. This year, mistakes were made for the first time and most of the buyers have ghosted me. I have to book a call with one of them uh, that they need. What can I ask? What shouldn't I ask and how personal should I get? My goal is to understand how to get the business back. So, and I'm gonna answer this from a big generic place. So here's my answer. Anytime you fuck up, anytime you fuck up, fall on the sword. Lean in and say, I am so sorry. This is 100% on me. Even if you don't know what you did, right? You look at them and say, it's on me. Because here's one thing you need to understand. You cannot forgive a company, but you can forgive a person. Fall on the sword hard. Don't get very personal unless you have a personal relationship, right? Um, the, the thing you can't do is go, oh my God, you can't leave me, hmm. <laughs> right? Desperation smells, right? But you gotta go in, and if you don't know what you screwed up and the customer's pissed off at you, then use it. And I would reach out and I would say, obviously I've screwed up here, I'll take full responsibility for whatever I have done. Would you please help me understand so I can do better in the future or I can fix whatever I've done, right? There's a chance you haven't done anything. There's a chance they just got really fucking busy. But when there's no communication, we start telling ourselves a lot of fucking stories and shit gets really, really drastic really quick. And I can't tell you how many times the thing I thought was going to happen was a billion times more scary than what actually turned out. Because you're all up in your own fucking head. I think at one point you had a, you had a story from when you were doing commercial printing about that, didn't you? Yeah, so um, I had a very large seven-figure deal go south and we bit off more than we chew could chew and maybe probably shouldn't even took the deal on and when it went south it went south deliveries weren't made on time we missed deadlines it went bad um i immediately so at that point i was just selling right i so what i mean is i had three csrs underneath me so I go sell, turn it over to somebody else so I can go sell more. And uh, I immediately, they call me saying shit's breaking. I fly to the freaking customer, drive, it's all here. And I, I just walked up and instantly said 100%. No, no, I started off with, I looked into this and my company fucked up. And I said, I'm not sure what they did wrong, but I promise you, I'll fix it. I never did business with that company ever again. And the reason being, I blame the company, not me. It was a masterful fucking learning lesson to know they can forgive you as a person. They cannot forgive the company. Fall on the sword. And we do that all the time. 
with uh, uh, in SCN and Success Champions and, and everything. Uh, and it's no matter who did what, he always takes responsibility. Even when it's my fault, I know I did it. He's like, yeah, I, sorry, it, my bad, my, my bad. I'm like, no, it's literally just me. And he's like, no, it's my bad. I'm like, oh, like if, if something bad. happens in the chapters, I'm instantly in my head going, damn, that's my fault. Every time. And I, and I promise you, if you start looking at the world and say, it's my fault, I'm not saying you have a fault. I'm saying it's my fault. You change your thinking almost instantly to fix mode. And you change the way you think about how you fix it versus the blame game. Well, that's the, they fucked it all up. No, no, no. Whatever breaks, whatever happens, that's my fault. Drives him nuts sometimes. He's like, no. <laughs> all right, this is question number two from uh, Miss Laura DeFranco, uh, CEO of Brave Healer Productions. See, she even spells it all the way out. Yeah, I probably was there last year. This is why he's reading them all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it was last year after you didn't say that, then you handed them all to me and yeah. I read the rest of them. Uh, all right, her question is, how important is it to disqualify in a sales conversation? Oh, my God, that's exactly the one thing you're supposed to be doing in a sales conversation. The issue that turns people salesy and makes your – What do you mean by disqualify? All right, so disqualify is getting them out of your pe pipeline, finding the reason that they shouldn't be doing business with you because they're the wrong, uh, the wrong industry, they're the wrong personality type, they won't put in the work, whatever the, the criteria are for you that someone shouldn't be your client. So normally in sales training, you could talk to qualify your customers, qualify your prospects. And what that does in your mind is it makes you try and find a reason that you should be continuing to talk to them. So what happens is when you, as a, as a sales manager, we look at our sales team's pipelines and they'll be huge. We have, I have $1.5 million in my sales pipeline. But it'll be stuff that's been sitting around for months and isn't moving. But they, you know, they're they're a good lead. They're a good prospect. Well, no, they're not, because they tried to qualify them so they could keep them in and have a number. So it looks like they're being successful and they're working when they should have at the beginning said, "Hey, oh, you know, this isn't a good fit. Let me get you to these people who can help you or whatever," because now that frees up your pipeline so that you you can work with the right people and not waste your time on the people that aren't ever going to buy. Or if they do, you're then going to find it like, oh, my God, I didn't want these people as clients. This is horrible. This is hell on earth. How many of you guys have had clients that you're like, oh, shit, I should have never hired them? Right? If you start disqualifying up front, make a list of the fuck knows, right? The things you absolutely will not, you know, deal with, work with. Spend a lot of your sales call making sure that you check off the boxes of things. You got a follow-up question? Hold on for a mic. Gene? Chief Cupcake has a question. Yeah. Hot buns and cake, by the way. Anyways. Um, I have no idea you what you said because you kind of just mumbled all through that shit. <laughs> Something um, about hot buns. Hot buns and cakes. I said you didn't mention that with my question. <laughs> um, how do you... How do you fire them without damaging um, the relationship and getting negative comments? You know what I mean? Like, yep. you know for sure you don't want to work with this person, 
right and you're disqualifying them so have you so already taken money from them and done work or is this in the sales process sales yet? process oh that's oh, super that's easy. easy it's like you know what that's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. Sorry. laughs> No, it, it is really easy. You basically, you, you don't tell them, oh, you suck. I don't want to do business with you. No, that's where I start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, but you just reframe it. That's been Melanie's thing for the last few years. Let's reframe that. She's trying to get me to reframe that. But you, you basically are, are going to say, hey, you know, this sounds awesome. I think you'd be really cool to work with. But, you know, I'm not the right fit for you because here's where I am. Here's what I do. But I want to introduce you to. Bingo. Walmart. <laughs> no, you, you find because here's the deal. So you've got another baker, cook, or something that's up and coming, yeah. that's hungry. And Dump well, them to them. Yeah, I have people who do what I do, but they're not at the level that I am. So I can handle clients who aren't ready to pay me. Don't worry about the them. level I'm in. It's really close. But tweak it just one little bit, and say, you know what? I've got someone that specializes yep. in this thing. That would just fit you. Yep. Right? So they feel like they're getting a gift and you just pass off your shitty clients because to other people, those are going to be great clients because right. they're hungry. They can't sell. They're looking for the business. They're that year one business whore. I'll take anything. Yeah. 1-800-W-A-L-M-A-O. <laughs> so, yeah. And I have people on either side of me. I have people who are have been doing this way longer than me. And can do some really badass stuff that when I meet with clients, like, oh, God, I really wish I could do this, but I actually don't have that skill set yet. I'm going to push them to that person. And they do the same for me because they know what I can do. And it's usually stuff they don't want to mess with anymore. So I build this really cool referral partnership where they're a, we're able to pass clients back and forth. And now we're working in our genius zones with people as opposed to trying to learn to do something or getting out of where we're comfortable, where it's going to take longer. We may screw it up and then end up actually getting the bad review. Also, another reason to do a shit ton of virtual coffees so you can find these people you can pawn people off on. Yep. It's real. All right. Next question is from Matt Redden, our, our photographer for the event. Is, uh, Give it up for Matt say. fucking working his ass off. <laughs> so his question Did is, we say his company name, Vite? Vite, yep. You're, you're like making me when I said it so well I just want to make sure it's Vite photography right and you're based out of Fort Worth is that right Vite Vite, Vite photography out of, what, what's the website I forget Vite photography .co. you need a fucking photographer that's your guy okay go ahead all right his question is what advice would you give those of us in the creative industry to scale their company when automation is very difficult I need more meat on that bone Hold on. So in terms of post-production, editing, um, that's hard for creatives to bounce that to somebody else because it's we have, I mean, there's other creatives here. We, we have our style that we work with. Automation for emails I can do, social media I can do. Um, My question is to answer your question. Do you want to build a business or do you want to keep creating a job for yourself? If you build the, the standards of that creativity and you build the parameters of what must be actually able to accomplish that meet your standards, you hire to those standards, the people that will do the editing, but you've got to give them very specific parameters. 
what we do is we try and outsource and we're thinking, dude, nobody can do this shit as good as me. Nobody can do this shit as good as me. I'm just a fucking badass at this. Nobody can make a fucking cake like I can make a fucking cake, right? Or a cup. Actually, I mean, you don't want me baking, right? But, but you have to create standards that somebody else can achieve so you can get that shit off your plate. And then the other thing I hear from creatives, but that's what I love to do. That's my thing. Fuck that's off. Your thing is a go sell. Yeah, that's not this creative. I, I like to shoot more than I like to edit, but yeah. 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 Okay. So um, I would tell you if it's a financial thing trying to figure out how do I offset that stuff, find somebody who's hungry. Go find somebody who's trying to learn how to do that. Mentor them, teach them, coach them, bring them up. All right. And there may be a chance that they free up enough time. You go get more business. They may become your permanent thing. That help? Yeah, that helps a lot. Helps a lot. Thank you. Cool. All right. So I was saving this question to oh, our last one just because it's actually a really good question. Uh, and this is from Dennis Devlin from Clarity Research and Strategy, who we are shocked is still alive because he was drinking every time Donnie said fuck this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, That's a lot. Dude, we're impressed. All right. So uh, his question is five years into the business now, as you reflect back, what has been two or three aha moments of clarity you have had to drive the business forward? Um, the one was finding Kevin. And we did this on last year's podcast. But if you haven't heard, I mean, basically a really quick story of Johnny how I swiped right. <laughs> swiped right. Um, <laughs> because that was a delete file. Um, <laughs> but if, really quick, I was fucking around in MailChimp. MailChimp completely fucking broke. And I went to a Facebook group and said, can anybody know how to fix MailChimp? Don't ever fucking do that. Everybody, I'm a freaking MailChimp expert. I can sell this to you. I got this pack. I'm the perfect person for you. Filled the fucking feed of assholes just trying to sell me stuff. Then one post goes like this 18 paragraph fucking answer that I went, fuck, that's my guy. So I sent him a DM. He jumped on a Zoom with me, and the first words out of his mouth were, I don't do MailChimp. But he sat with me, and he started helping me figure out all the stuff. I was like, cool, thanks, dude. See you. Like a fucking dumbass. Six months later, somewhere in that time frame, yeah. MailChimp broke again. Because I was still doing my own fucking MailChimp. I called him up, and I said, dude, I fucking need you. I can't afford to pay you. How about we work out something? So he started working for me based on a commission structure of the results of what he was able to produce. Which I don't do for anyone. For some reason, I did it for him. It's the baby And blues. I did make him, I did tell him, yet we will be leaving MailChimp and we will be going onto a system that I use uh, if we're going to do this. And I will tell you that's a sign of a good hire is when somebody says, we're doing this, we're doing it my way, right? And we did. And then throughout the, the rest of the story is he just kept saying, hey, I can do that for you. Hey, I can do that for you. And now he's a partner in the company, co-founder of Success Champion Networking, right? So, um, but that was the biggest aha is quit doing it yourself, right? You know, the, the other one for me, and I'll let you throw one out there. The other one for me was quit building things. At one point, we had six companies going, and only one of them was making any fucking money. 
We anybody remember Success Champion magazine? We did that for a little while. You know how much money we made from that fucking thing? Not a goddamn dime. <laughs> not a dime. Literally not a dime. Right? Um, but we had six different things going, and it really became Success Champion Networking, where we finally said, All right, this we're going all in on. Right? So I would tell you, pick a lane quickly, make that your lane, and go all in on that thing. I think one of the aha moments for me, and, and you're probably going to be surprised when I say this, I think one of the big aha moments for me was the uh, coming to the understanding that, uh, yeah, I could learn all the technical stuff and all that really cool stuff for how to do things uh, operational-wise, but I also had to learn how to take care of myself and what was going on wow. in my head. This guy is not the mindset guy by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you, I didn't, I'm, I'm busting his chops, but I'm doing it out of love. Uh, he doesn't do the woo-woo. He doesn't do the, the, the anything like the vision stuff. You know, the, I, you tell him, you know, write down a happy thought, those type of things. He's like, oh, fuck it, I'm out. Someone made me do a vision board at a retreat like six months ago, and that was like, uh. uh. <laughs> right, so, right. That, that's a great one, great example. Uh, and it wasn't anything they did wrong. It was just, it's, it's not me. Uh, you know, Donnie and I are exactly opposite that way. He's doing his vision board. And he's talking about it, and he's like crying. I'm like, but I can't do that um, in front of. That's people. a real thing too. Yeah, it's like I can't do that in front of people. So, but for me, it was, and we, you know, he beats me up about it, and I beat him up about processes. And and like you said, it is out of love because it's going to make both of us better. And I, so I've had to figure out, all right, so how do, what does it look like for a high C introvert to work on themselves? And because it's different. He was trying to make me work on myself like him. That's true. And thank God he has a, a genius for a wife. Dude, I'm telling you. Who is like, um, who's like. She looked at me one day and said, you're not going to change him. He can only do that shit for himself. Quit trying. And I didn't realize that's what I was trying to do. And I went, fuck. So, yeah, we had a really awesome conversation the following Monday, and then we figured out what me working on myself actually looked like and how it fit into it. Because our model now on Mondays is the first thing we talk about our operations meeting. First, is, right, literally, we start yeah. our operations meeting with this. What did you do to work on yourself last week? And there's been operation meetings where we literally spend the entire meeting just talking about that, and we then are like, Fuck, we got to do the operation meeting. Damn it. <laughs> All right, when are we going to do our rest of our meeting this week? Uh, but that's been a big aha for me is the actual importance of doing that type of stuff and how you build it into your process. So when Donnie and I were he were applying this Champions 90 thing, he would keep asking me if I was going to do this, and I, I wouldn't answer. <laughs> that's uh, real. Because in my head, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this because, you know, I have to – I have to listen to things and write about how it means what it means to me. I'm like, oh, gross. No, not, not me. Um, <laughs> so then one day after we'd had all these conversations. You said, oh, gross. Oh, gross. <laughs> um, I came back to the meeting and I said, all right, so I'm, I'm in for Champions 90. He's shut up. Really? I'm like, yep, I'm going to do it. So that's been the, the prior really recent aha. Yes. We need a microphone. Coming, coming, coming. He's like, I thought they were done. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm a visionary like Donnie and like so that side of working on yourself makes a lot of sense for me but 
my own husband and my kids and people I know are all from high seas. And I think it'd be super valuable if you shared at least even just a little bit of how you figured that out for yourself. Because you just like dropped the like, oh, look at this little present. And now we're going to like shove it off and not open it. <laughs> can, right. can I answer that and then finish yeah, it up? Go yeah. Ahead. So after Elizabeth told me to quit trying to change him, I, I literally racked my brains. I'm like, how the fuck do I actually get him to figure out that he needs to figure out how to work on himself? And so I, what I said to him was, okay, quit trying to come back to me and say, what'd you do to work on yourself? Come back and tell me what you created. Come back and tell me what's the new thing you built for us and walk me through it. And he lit the fuck up instantly. Or the other question was, uh, what's the, what did you learn? So we, and that was a big, I literally had this, he probably saw it on the video of me just like relaxing. Because we, I'd been trying to, I'd come to the meeting and I, I wouldn't know what to talk about because he gets all these big, uh, you Oh, know, and I was getting uh -huh. frustrated as fuck. Yeah, and he got these really big, he'd, he'd have these, these things on his walk where it's like, <gasps> Oh my God! It's like the rays of the clouds party is the rays. Everything was him. the greatest thing ever. Like, right? Oh, uh, the uh, choirs are singing for him, and I don't have those types of things pop into my world. Just fucking annoying. And I'd come to the meetings like I don't know what I did this last week to work on myself, and it would piss him off. He's like, "How do you not know what you did to work on yourself this last week?" So I don't know. So for me, us, we figured out. For me, it's like, what did I learn? You know, is it an operational thing? Was it a cool tech thing that we can do? Uh, you know, and now you know, I've, I've found some other integrator type people that I resonate with uh, that are, uh, are similar veins of what we do, but they're, they're C's. And I've been able to start chatting with them and now I'm learning stuff from them. And, I'm and which is really cool because he's getting fucking excited about it. Yeah. Learning from other people that are teaching his style. Yeah. So, and it's now I'm coming back with like, oh, I had this really cool thing. So it's really figuring out for those people how they learn and letting that work for them. You can't force them to have inspiration like you do. And, I, and I'll tell you that, that he's done really well with it. And some of the things he's learned to do, he even said it as he's going to start to do it. He goes, don't worry, Donnie. I'll put it in bullet points. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll put pretty you pictures, picture. you know, together. Um, but And I'll put one more aha for the both of us out there is – I finally got to a point this year where I was like, fuck, I can't get beyond this shit mentally on my own. So, whew, get a therapist. Fuck. Whew. He's seen her too. Yeah, so am I. I'm seeing the same one. And he, he's mad at me because I don't tell her to fuck off. <laughs> so he literally, during sessions, when she has a breakthrough, he will tell her to fuck off. And, and like, that's, that's a real that's thing. That's a real thing. Uh, and he gets mad at me. He's like, how many times did you tell her to fuck off this week? I'm like, none. I don't do, I don't tell her that. <laughs> I'm like, fuck off, man. And, 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 um, he, he worked on me a long time to get me to go to see Mandy. Uh, um, and then after I started going that we had that more conversations because I don't, I'm like, I don't understand how to do this. And it was coming back to, Hey, you have these big things every week you meet with her. And I feel like I'm just having a conversation and I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling or getting out of it. Hi, hi, C. We don't do feelings. So, uh, so we, you know, it was, it's almost, and it's funny because we both talked to her about talking to each other, about talking to her. And so it's like this really made a relationship thing going on. But it's funny, we'll get on our Oh, you want to make it worse? Yeah. 
Keith sees her too. Yeah. <laughs> and we are probably getting the other bovine boy to go yeah. to her at some point as well. But yeah, so it's it's, it's since we started having those conversations, and uh, you know, and I'm able to now open up to someone I trust about those things, and I know it's you know relatively safe to share things with him. Fuck no. <laughs> but uh, it is safe. But you know, he's gonna he's gonna uh, bust my ass when he needs to. It's gotten easier. And I'll tell you, you know, from like a business partnership standpoint. If you can't have these level of conversations, your partnership will, will never work, right? Um, you're going to spend more time with the people you work with than you will your own damn family. And if you can't get to these type, now there's a system of scale, right? There's going to be employees and things that eventually work for you that you're not going to have. But when it's you're the top guys in the fucking thing, you better be able to have these type of conversations and you better be able to talk through how to get to this type of conversation. Once again, we've been working together, what, three years, four years? Uh, four. Three, almost four, yeah. Um, and we just started doing this this year. Just to give you guys an example of how long it's taken us to get to this level of conversation. And, and we have now, we've had conversations about as we grow our team and bring people on that we have to develop on looking at, all right, so how is our day-to-day relationship going to be changing? And how, you know, making sure that we are, you know, we're prepared for that on our personal levels and how we work with each other so that. Like, yeah, can we get some women in our damn company? Jesus. <laughs> so, and it's really so that, you know, you know, if I'm now developing this piece and I have employees and I'm not giving him attention or he's developing working with territory leaders and I'm not getting the same amount of attention that there isn't any resentment going on. So we're, we've become very open with what's going on. There's no hesitation for either of us to actually tell the other one what's going on in our or head. fuck off or to fuck off yeah and tell them that they're wrong and here's why and you know and have, we'll we, we'll battle it out sometimes so but we need to start wrapping this up so we can get this is a long fucking episode we might have to break this yeah, one up in a two, couple two episodes so but um guys this has been really fucking cool thank you for hanging out with us thank you for coming to this summit fucking uh do us a favor when this comes out uh they're all fake clapping at the moment it's kind of funny to watch um when this comes out freaking tag yourself in it share it you know share the love it helps us out tremendously so as always from growth mode love you mean it see you bye when i created success champions it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business Yeah, they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure it out on your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are. Maybe they've been through it and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com. Go visit one of our peer groups, and let's help you actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as success champions.